0: you are listening to the sermon audio podcast from Heights Baptist church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at Heightschurch.org. If you have a copy of God's word, whether you have that digitally, whether you have that in your hand, uh, let's find the book of first John together. And, um, the 1st John. We are going to continue in our series that we started last week through the book of 1st John, just entitled Prove It. You know, a lot of times we might say, "Ah, yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus, but uh, is there any proof to that? Is there any way that you are showing uh, that, yes, you believe in Jesus Christ? Because if you're a believer, there should be some things that are happening in your life. Uh, Your your speech changes, your life changes, uh, your outlook toward things change. And so uh, John is writing this letter to Christians in Asia Minor, and he's saying, hey, here's what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ and what it looks like for someone to walk with Christ. And so we started that last week. Uh, this morning, we're going to go through verses 5 through 10. And as I was kind of thinking about what John is saying, you're going to see the words confess used a lot in those verses. You're going to see the phrase we say used a lot in those phrases and, and verses. And so I started thinking about the importance of words and the importance of what we say. Uh, for you history people, you are going to remember Calvin Coolidge. For you non-history people, you're like, oh, I've heard that name before. Well, he was the president of the United States from 1923 to 1929. He wasn't a super great president, so that's probably why some of you probably have forgotten he was president. Uh, but Calvin Coolidge was president 1923, 1929. He was a man of very few words. His nickname was actually Silent Cal. Okay, amen, if that could be the nickname of some politicians today, right? Okay, just, yeah. All right, so Silent Cow is his nickname. He's at an estate dinner one night, and his wife, Grace, told this story uh, that he's at an estate dinner, and one of the dignitaries leans over to him and says, I've made a bet with my friend that I can get at least three words of conversation out of you tonight. Calvin Coolidge, without missing a beat, doesn't look up from his food, just says this to the person you lose, right? <laughs> okay, some of you are doing the math. All right, there you go. If you say a lot, maybe you're a big talker like me and you just talk all day long, or maybe you're a little more like Calvin Coolidge and you identify with Silent Cal and you're not as big of a talker, what you say, whether if you say a lot or a little, matters. And what John is saying in this section is what you say about God matters and what you say about your sin matters. Because what John's going to do in verses 5 through 10 is lay out, here's what we believe about God, here's what you ought to believe about yourself, and here like the song we sang earlier, why we need Jesus. John picks this up in verse 5. And he says, this is the message which we have heard from him, and we proclaim to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And I love what John says at the beginning of verse 5, and don't miss this, because he's, he's giving you something very, very important there. He's saying, this message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, right? So what John is saying in that introductory statement there in verse 5 is simply this, This isn't my message. Guys, I'm writing this down, and this isn't from John. I didn't make this up. This message that I have heard as John, that I am proclaiming to you, is a message that God has given me. So you and I need to remember constantly when we come into the Bible... And wherever you land in the Bible and you start reading the Bible, that the Bible is the word of God that he has transmitted to us through humans. So that means if this is God's message, if this is his word, then it ought to carry authority in our lives to where now we come to the Bible and we don't say, Bible, bend to us. Instead, we are going to bend to you. So John is saying, here's the message from God. That I'm proclaiming to you. All right. And here it is. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is light. And in him. There is no darkness. At all. Right. You stop and think about that. What John is saying. Is in his character. He is perfect in everything he does. He's perfect in every thought he has. He's perfect in everything he says. He's perfect in God. There is no darkness at all. Not even a little bit, not even a little gray, right? Completely pure in everything. Now, if we say that about God, and in God there's no darkness at all, what camp does that put us in? <laughs> right? Yeah? Because aren't we a people of darkness? Aren't we a people that love a little darkness? Aren't we a people that we're okay with a little gray in our lives? I mean, just stop and, stop and think about society with me think about the people we elevate, right? Are our sports heroes that we cheer for, are they perfect in the light or is there darkness within them, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Think about our, our movie stars, you know, that we elevate and we cheer and we retweet on Twitter and we like all their posts. Are those movie stars? Could we read verse five and say, in that movie star, there is complete light and there is no darkness at all. Could we say that? No. Okay. How about our politicians? Okay, yeah. All right. I don't even really have to illustrate that one out. How about even in our made-up comic book and superheroes? Are there superheroes and comic book ones that we could elevate up to where they're completely pure or is there always a little bit of darkness in some see you and i as maybe uh, movie fans and comic book fans we have one that we really like that he's actually an anti-hero all right? now what an anti-hero is going to be is an anti-hero is one who fights for the good side but will use villainous methods sometimes bad methods to achieve the good all right, that's an anti-hero fights for the good side. All right. He wants the good, but will sometimes use villainous methods or break the law in order to achieve the good. I'm going to give you one. This is going to rock you. Batman. Batman is the number one anti-hero. Now, some of you are thinking, well, he's not even a superhero, which that's a whole nother conversation. Okay. <laughs> that's just fighting words for some of you, but Batman, Man, who doesn't love Batman, right? But in Batman, there is darkness. He's the anti-hero. He will break the law sometimes in order to do the good. So if you think about it, nowhere in society can we find verse 5 besides God. Not in our sports heroes, not in our movie stars, not in our politicians, not even in the made-up comic book heroes we write about. So when John lands us in verse 5, this is a huge verse in which he says, In God there's light and no darkness at all. Now, if we say that about God, what then all do we say about ourselves? And John's going to start in verse 6, and he's going to give you three we say statements. Okay, so follow along with me. Pick up in verse 6. He says, If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. Now drop down to verse 8. Here's our second we say statement. If we say we have no sin, so we're sinless, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now drop down to verse 10. If we say we've not sinned, then we make God a liar and his word is not in us. All right, so did you see those three? So if we say we have fellowship with God, all right, we're Christians, we, we walk with God, but we walk in darkness, meaning we practice habitual patterns of sin within our lives and we're okay with that, then we don't practice the truth. Verse eight, if we say we're sinless and we don't commit sin as believers in Jesus Christ, we deceive ourselves, the truth's not in us. And verse 10, if we say we've not sinned, then we make God as a liar and his word's not in us. And so this morning, what do you say about yourself? What do you say about the sin in your life? I mean, are you verse 6? Are you verse 8? Are you verse 10? Because I've, I've met some verse 8 Christians. We had a lady uh, come to our church Quite often in, in the church I pastored up in Pennsylvania, she was there uh, visiting for a while. And um, she called me one, one morning and, and she said, look, I heard your sermon yesterday and um, I'm not coming back to your church. And, you know, that's the call a pastor wants to get on a Monday morning, right? I mean, that's just, whoo, bless your day right off the bat. And so I said, well, I, you know, what, what's going on? I know you've been coming for a while and, and, and why are you thinking not, you're, you know, this isn't the church for you? And she said, "Well, yesterday, in your sermon, you said that you still commit sin as a Christian, and I was appalled I thought, all right, well, this conversation's getting a little more interesting on a Monday morning, and I said, Well, yeah, yes, yes, ma'am. You know, I still haven't figured out when to keep my mouth closed, when I need to keep my mouth closed i mean i I think things in traffic that I probably shouldn't think that all of us do and you know, I'm just like anybody else. I still struggle with old flesh things as a Christian, and yeah, I, there's times I, I still sin. And I said, but can I ask you a question? She's like, yeah. I said, what about you? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, whoa. So you say you don't? Yeah, I've been saved, therefore I don't. Yeah, they sent the church for you. <laughs> I mean, I was just like, uh, yeah. It's just then going to be where you're comfortable. Right, Because she was thinking, well, yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and, and therefore I, I don't sin. But the Bible would say that as believers in Jesus Christ, yes, we have an established relationship with God now. That we have been saved, we've been redeemed, Ephesians 1 would tell you. Now you're a child of God, God is now your spiritual father. You've been born again, John 3 says. You have a, a new spirit, you have a new life within you, but that new life's parked in the old flesh, and as Matt said earlier, in Romans 7, some of those things start butting heads. And then there's times you find yourself going, man, I did that and I didn't want to do that. Right? And I, and I struggle with that pattern or I struggle with that issue still in my life. Well, let me say it this way, and I think John would sum it up this way too. That's actually a good spot to be as a believer in Jesus. See, as a believer in Jesus Christ, it's not if you sin. It's not when you sin, it's what do you do when you sin, right? See, it's not if you are. It's what are you going to do when you do it? What do you say about it, right? What are you saying about God and what are you saying about your sin? See, John's saying there, if you deny it, if you say I don't do it, if you're saying I've never done it, then you're not a believer. The word's not in you. The truth's not in you. If you deny you ever have, you're making God a liar. Why? Because he's completely light. In him there is no darkness at all. And compared to him, yeah, there's darkness in me. Compared to him, there's a lot of darkness in me. See, when we stop and think about sin, often what we do is what I call just stay ahead of the other guy game. Okay? So you'll do this on the news if you're not careful watching or you'll do this when you read Twitter or Facebook or, you know, read the paper online. You'll read someone that did something and you'll think, man, that's a bad dude. I'm glad I'm not him. Wow, she did that. Woo. I'm glad I'm not her. You know what? God doesn't say, stay ahead of the other person in this game with your sin. Compare your sin to me. So when you and I sin, we sin against a holy God. We sin against a God that in him there is no darkness at all. Now, I know we've, we've you know, used the word sin quite a bit here, and let me just define it out for you because it kind of can be a churchy term. So let me help you understand what sin is. Did, growing up, and you can raise your hand on this one, audience participation moment. Growing up, did you uh, go over to maybe somebody's house to play, maybe went out to go play you know, basketball somewhere and in, in somebody else's court, and they said, we're playing by my own rules today. Anybody else? Okay. You played a game with a friend. They said, hey, you're going to play this game, my rules, right? My home, my rules. That's sin when it comes to God. Sin is coming to God and saying, you know what, God, my rules. God, we're going to play life my way. God, I'm going to define what's right. And God, I'm going to define what's wrong. You don't. God, you want to have fellowship with me? My way, right? My rules. That's sin. So John says, if you say you have that, here's good news. Okay, because here's the good news of verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, the way verse 9 is written, it's written in kind of the present tense. Meaning, when it says, if we confess our sins, it means of continual confession. Okay? When I'm continually confessing before God what I have done then God is faithful and just to cleanse me of all unrighteousness and forgive me. The word confess there means to agree. So here's what that means. If you agree with God, what you did was sin, then God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Now, some of you are going to stop, and and you're already thinking this, because I ran into a lot of people over the years that struggle with this notion. They'll say things like this. If God only knew what I've done, he would not forgive me. I'm serious. There's, There's people that struggle with that. Man, if God only knew what I've done, there's no way he'd forgive me. You guys know me. I have a fairly dry sense of humor. When I run into that person, I just look at him and I say, you know what? He's God. He already knows what you've done. He's God. Finding forgiveness means agreeing what you did was wrong. And it's coming to the right person for that forgiveness. So verse 9 is going to work out in two ways for some of you this morning. Number one, verse 9 is going to work out for some of you in the sense that you need salvation. You need to be saved. You need to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never done that, right? Caroline spoke of it earlier. She said, look, it was when I was 8, yeah, for some of you, it may have been your teenage years like me when I was 14 or or maybe later in life in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s. Whenever it was, you've got to come to a point in time in a decision to say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I need you as my savior. I'm ready to start a life with you. I'm ready to start a relationship with you. I need you to save me. All right? For some of you this morning, that's the decision you need to make. But also verse 9 is going to apply this way to those of you that have already made that decision. See, for those of you that are believers in Jesus Christ, John again speaks of fellowship. See, notice in verse 7, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sin. See, understand, as a believer in Jesus, when you sin the relationship doesn't change. Okay. You don't lose your salvation. The end of Romans eight would say there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. John three, when you place your faith in Jesus, you are born again, right? Spiritually, you are born. That does not mean when you sin, you are unborn. All right. You're born. You're born again to God. You have a relationship with God. When you sin as a believer, that doesn't mean the relationship ends. But unconfessed sin hinders the fellowship. Don't miss that. They're two different things. The relationship's still intact. The fellowship is hindered. You can be related to someone you never talk to. You can be related to someone you don't have fellowship with. Be related to somebody that you, you don't see. Now we would say, hey, that's not a good relationship. In order to have a good relationship, we got to get back in what? Good fellowship. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, verse 9 is applied to you in the sense of when you confess your sin, when you continually confess your sin. And here's the good news. The sin you are continually confessing is the sin that God is continually cleansing. What you confess, God cleanses. Have any of you ever had and I don't know if you want to raise your hand or not because some of you may have family visiting, okay? So this is a little sensitive of an of a illustration. So go either way on this. Have you ever had family that has visited that stayed a little too long? <laughs> okay, few hands, right? <laughs> Visit was good at first. That was great. A few days later, it's like, what, what, what time do you leave? Is it, is it time to go to the airport? Yeah, I know it's five hours early, but the weather's bad. They just say, go on and get you there, right? <laughs> You've been there, done that? Yeah. In life, when you sin, there's going to be somebody that visits you. That's going to be good for a while. And that visitor's name is going to be guilt. Guilt is good. As a believer in Jesus Christ, when you sin, guilt shows up and says you shouldn't have done it. That was wrong. You were wrong. Go to Jesus and find confession. Go confess. Go find cleansing in Jesus. That's good guilt. Now, when you go to Jesus and you, verse 9, confess your sin to God and you say, God, I've done this. I need you to cleanse me. When guilt stays around after that and guilt says you're still wrong, You really shouldn't have done that. That's when you need to tell guilt it's time to go. Why? Why is guilt bad on the back end? Because you've confessed something to Jesus. You've trusted Jesus to cleanse you. Because verse 9 says the condition of your forgiveness is not based on you. The condition of your forgiveness, verse 9, is found where? In the person and the work of who God is. It is God who is faithful and just to cleanse you from all your sin and all your unrighteousness. How does he do that? Verse 7, through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. For some of you this morning, and just come a little closer in as I end right here. For some of you this morning, you battle and are riddled with guilt over sin you've already confessed. And this morning, you need to tell guilt to go. Because for some of you, you are trying to forgive yourself of a past sin that Jesus has already forgiven you for. Stop trying to do the work Jesus Christ has done in your life. Stop trying to forgive yourself of something he's forgiven you of. Come to Jesus and say, Jesus, here's the sin. I need you to forgive me and get me back in right fellowship with God. And then as verse 7, I'm going to seek to walk in the light as God has me in the light. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have live groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, go to heightschurch.org give.